You're listening to World of Empowerment Radio. Your station for practical spirituality in a changing world. And here are your hosts, Angel Rose and Ahanu. Well, you're very, very welcome. My name is Ahanu and with me is my lovely Angel Rose, as always. Now, Angel Rose, we're going into enemy territory today. We are, Ahanu. We're going to be discussing something that we usually stay very, very far away from. And we're venturing forth, sticking our necks above the parapet in lots of different ways by talking about what? Politics. Politics. And, and the reason is, Ahano, is because we're living in pretty precarious times, as you know. Negative drama is across the planet, anything from uh, terrorist activity to uh, climate change to whatever. Okay, predictions about Nibiru. And certainly we are seeing unrest across the whole nation nowadays, okay? You can't go anywhere without some sort of something going well, on. Well, it's across every nation. It's on every, every continent all over the world. We find that that's what we see. At every twist and turn, we're seeing negativity. It's actually hard to find something that's positive these days. It really is a stretch. You actually have to do a lot of searching and seeking to find out something that's uplifting and, and of benefit to all of mankind. And this is where our the reason for our call today is because we're keen to find that there might be some source of good or there might be somebody out there with a vision in politics that might be different from the deceitful, thwarting, twisted, corrupt mainstream politics that we're all familiar with. Right. And because there is a presidential election coming up in the United States in November, and many people will agree that the two prominent candidates that are out there. Neither one is very desirable, I don't know. But just recently we have watched people um, who basically they figure Bernie Sanders is out of the running and so we only have two choices is how they look at it. We have Hillary or we have Donald, Mm -hmm. okay? And they're feeling that they need to choose one of those two people because that's all that's left. But that isn't really the case and I think you know, you and I are not going to share any of our own personal um, chosen candidates on this program. But we are going to listen to alternatives from Clayton Tanner, who's our guest today. Um, he's got some ideas about some other candidates that he would like people to know about. All right. Well, let's talk to Clayton Tanner. Clayton, are you there? I am. How are you, Ahanu and Angel? Uh, welcome. Welcome to the show today. Clayton, now, I've had quite a few conversations with you uh, in the past about the Constitution and about politics, and one of the things I respect about you is that you know a lot about those areas, and I will sadly admit that most Americans probably have never read the Constitution or even know what it says. They don't even know when the, the, the country was founded that's true. Yeah, That's I mean, some true. people think it was 1968, 1972, <laughs> 1948. Haven't a, act, it, isn't that a true statement, though, Clayton? Yeah, uh, it's pretty. It's pretty accurate. Uh, the problem is today is everybody gets their news through their handheld devices and get media. So people don't do a lot of their own research on an awful lot of subjects, actually. And there's a lot of misinformation and just blatantly incorrect fa- facts, quote unquote, that are out there. 
Yeah, where would you like to start with this conversation today? I know that you have some strong opinions about America and where it might be headed. So what are your thoughts about it? Are, are we going down a slippery slope or is there some hope? Well, I think we've been going down the slippery slope. I think this has been going on for uh, quite a few years. I mean, you could even go all the way back to the Clinton administration. I mean, I'm just under 40 years old, so that's probably about the time I became aware of all these things. But I, I see continuing eroding of um, people's human rights just to think for themselves. And I see an, an, an awful lot of uh, political maneuvering to get us very, very scared. So yes, are we on a slippery slope? Absolutely. Do I think there's some hope? Of course, there's always hope. Miraculous occurrences happen all the time. I think um, the issue we're facing with our current presidential election is we have never come across two candidates who are more disliked and untrusted um, ever, really. And the saddest part is, is that there are other options available to people, and the media does their best to make sure that you, you barely know who these people are. I mean, in my opinion, I think the person who could probably save the day or come pretty close would be uh, the libertarian nominee, uh, Gary Johnson, and his vice president's running mate, Bill Welk. They are both two-term governors. They were, at the time, Republicans elected in Democratic states, and they were re-elected in Democratic states, which means, at the very least, they know how to work across party lines and actually get jobs done. I, for one, am a resident of New Mexico, and I first moved here about 13 years ago, just as Gary Johnson had left office. And what I found was an economy that was booming. People were really happy, and they were doing well financially. I mean, uh, the problem with our current mainstream candidates is they don't address any of the real issues that are facing America. Not one of them has a solid plan where people actually benefit. And when you think about it, the number three things are like economy, education, our infrastructure. You could even throw healthcare in there. I mean, the gun issue is a huge issue, and I mean, that's a whole other ball of wax because there's so much disinformation out there about them, and it's, uh, it's a frightening time. Sure. Well, let me ask you this. You did mention that uh, these, these two mainstream candidates were disliked. Now, Correct. Uh, here's, here's the question, though. They're, they are mainstream candidates, so in other words, they are being supported by a huge number of people, so they are liked by some people. And my question is, uh, because I, I'm a great believer in the fact that all political leaders are representative of the consciousness of the people, so if you take one of these mainstream candidates that are there at the moment, the Trumps and the Clintons, if they're representative mm -hmm. of a large number of people in the United States, what does that say? for the general Well, I think that they're represented, represented yes and no. I mean, Hillary Clinton is the Democratic nominee. The Democratic Party is a very huge party. And mm -hmm. of polled Democrats, about 65% of them find her untrustworthy and unfit. Okay? Right. Donald Trump is the Republican candidate. And currently, the whole GOP is breaking itself in half because half of them don't really want him. The problem is, is when you go to these different states and you get these little bits of delegates, okay, they basically decide who gets the nominee. So if you look at the Republican side too, about 65% of old Republicans aren't big Trump fans either. Mm -hmm. So what what ha saying? and what happened to Bernie Clayton in there? Because, I, you know, it seems to me he had huge support and all of a sudden he lost against Hillary who didn't seem to have as much support. Well, 
honestly, I think that was, um, honestly, I think it's a, a scam, to be perfectly honest. When people first started declaring to run the races last year, all these super delegates, quote unquote, who are delegates who have big, big power and decision making in their parties, declared for Clinton right away. Okay, we declared for Bernie right away. Um, I think, to be perfectly honest, if you check the news and do some digging, you're going to find that there are instances where voter fraud was highly likely, and um, you know, and you can copy the media right into that for the reason why. Hillary, you know, she hasn't technically become the nominee yet. I believe the Democratic convention officially happens in the next couple of days, um, where it could still go Bernie's way. It's doubtful, but it still could. I think uh, Bernie, Bernie was frauded. I think Bernie was filling stadiums of 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people. Hillary Clinton was having a hard time filling a school auditorium. You know, right. the news doesn't want to report that as much, but that is the truth. I mean, so, she's the establishment's candidate for sure. Right, absolutely. I mean, you know, to me that was a whole setup from the get-go. And I just find it amazing that Americans think that it's a done deal and, and that there's no other choices. So so let's talk a little bit about what you know about Hillary and Donald, and then we'll go into who you think would be a really good candidate for President Gary Johnson. Well, I think one of the reasons that, that Trump is popular among some people is because he's representing a certain level of rage that Americans are feeling. You know, you ever heard of that thing, the silent majority? Mm-hmm. They're the people who keep their mouth shut most of the time. Now, there's a lot of people who go out and they protest and stop, and so many times people just keep their mouth shut. The reason he's had, like, the rise that he has, I think there's a couple of reasons, but most importantly is because a large number of Americans are fed up with our system, they're fed up with our politics, they're fed up with the corruption. You know, they're fed up that over the last 30 years, America hasn't gotten better, it's gotten worse. So currently, in my opinion, all our elected officials are failing at their jobs miserably. Um, Hillary Clinton, I mean, if you go back, what, 30 years, she's been embroiled in one scandal or the other. The, The country definitely does not trust her, and as they should it. I mean, um, recently what happened with her her whole email investigation and the fact that her husband met with, you know, the attorney general, Loretta Lynch, four days before they came out with anything. Even the FBI director came out and said that even though there was criminality, there's not enough to charge. But still, I mean, she lied under oath. She should technically be charged with perjury. Um, And I would like to see that happen because I like to think that nobody's above the law. So these two candidates right now represent a lot of rage anger and mistrust. And um, it's really pretty sad because, like you said, a lot of Americans think it's a done deal already, um, which is really, really disheartening. But, you know, November is a long way off, and I feel we could, you know, do a lot to change that. Personally, I think the candidate who's most fit to run this country or to help get us out of our current mess is Gary Johnson. He's a tried, tested, and true two-term governor. During his tenure in office, what he wanted is um, a little bit less government on a whole lot of things and putting more money back into people's pockets with less taxes. During his tenure in New Mexico, he cut taxes 14 times. He never raised taxes in the state. He vetoed every state budget. And, um, you know, a lot of the control in government does relate to money. You know, he's uh, socially liberal, as they say, and fiscally conservative. 
meaning he wants you to have as many rights as possible. He wants you to have true liberty. And he wants the government um, harassing you much much less than they currently are. Right. And he's, yeah, and I mean, his, his running mate, Bill Will, did the same thing in Massachusetts. When he took power in Massachusetts, Massachusetts of the 11 industrial states was ranked bottom on the list. Within eight years, he took them to number one. Just like Gary Johnson took a state that had, I think, half a billion dollar deficit and left them with a billion dollar surplus. And he did this all by not raising taxes. Job growth was incredible, off the charts. Not only that, he's an honest guy. You look at him and you know this man has zero scandals. And, you know, when you're looking at who's going to be the next leader of your country, very, very few political people represent what it's like to be the president as a governor does. A governor is just a small president in the state. They manage their counties, they manage their funds, and he did it sterling. So Not only it, that, the gentleman has summited seven, seven major mountains, Everest included. He's built his own house. He's a successful business owner. And he's not out there bashing every other candidate, which means he doesn't have a lot of hate. In addition to which, there's not a lot of people who hate him. Between Hillary and Clinton, 70% of the country hates them combined, which is sad. Yeah, I, would, I do remember the days, Hanu, back in the day when candidates didn't, you know, their campaigns were not about bashing each other. I know. Do you know something? When I came to the United States first, I couldn't believe that that was even allowed to happen. Or, in fact, I couldn't believe that somebody, an, an adult professional politician, would engage in that kind of practice because it's such a negative thing. I mean, to me, it reflects on somebody's character if the only way that they can achieve or get forward is to actually bash somebody else. And I, I couldn't believe the level of negative bashing that was going on in, in, this, uh, in these political times. Uh, it was absolutely astonishing for me. The other thing that I also find astonishing, and you've mentioned about Bernie Sanders and how th there's a level of, you use the word scam and fraud in relation to him. Now, you could probably use those words right across the board in politics, but let's just use them in connection with him. I know from my own experience in, in Ireland, for example, in the United Kingdom and in most European countries where they use a system of proportional representation for voting, every candidate by law must have the same airtime on all the, the, the media channels. But you do not find that in the United States. It's the ones with the most money have the most airtime. So somebody who you mentioned about um, Gary Johnson or various others, the People do not know about those candidates simply because there is no proportional representation. There is no equal rights at all, right from the top Correct. down. Yeah, and I think that's Correct. actually it's a, a shame thing. thing. Yeah, I think it's a well, shame thing. Well, it is. Thing. In 2012, Gary Johnson captured 1% of the popular vote, and he did it by spending maybe a few hundred thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. Not millions, just a few hundred thousand dollars to get 1%. And that was in a year where at least... Obama and Mitt Romney weren't nearly as hated as Hillary and Trump currently are. You know, I mean, they're giving him little spots here and there, but like a 9 a.m. time slot, Eastern time on CNN on a Sunday morning, who's really going to get a chance to watch that? Yeah. Who's even out of bed? Then? You know? <laughs> yes. Exactly. Most people, most people really are, yeah. you know, and uh, I mean, that's, that's one of the issues, too. It's um, the level of apathy and with the candidates attacking each other. The whole reason they're doing that is because they both know that they don't have good policies or good ideas for anything. 
anything. Yes, yes. You know, so by keeping him stirred up, I mean, currently the people who are voting for Trump and the people who are voting for Hillary are doing it more out of fear of what the other candidate represents instead of the fact that they really like their candidate. Yeah, the lesser of two evils, in other words. Still evil. Well, no. You know, <laughs> these are all opinions. And you, you would know, Clayton Tanner, that we, are, we like to approach all of these things from a spiritual perspective. We like to try and keep an overview of what's going on in general. We like to Correct. look at things from the, yeah, from the big picture. And we like to look at things globally rather than uh, get caught up in, in local politics. Now, having said that, though, all of this affects everybody on some level. So it's at, it's at that level that we want to approach this today. We're, we're very much into 3D in our conversation with you. And we can bring in uh, the bigger picture. We can bring in spirituality. We can, we can look at these things from a different perspective as we bring the program to a close today. But right now, what's happening is we have a lot of negativity going on on the planet. And a lot of it is Correct. actually initiated or supported by these types of corruption that's in politics. The fraud, the negativity, the scamming that's going on. And, you know, I mentioned about our political leaders being somewhat a representative of the consciousness of the people who they're leading. And in that way, it doesn't look very promising for this country or indeed any country if this is the type of candidate that we that we're putting forward but i think now, it's because nobody's speaking up like he mentioned yeah. the apathetic majority so yes. it isn't necessarily that the majority likes these candidates sure. it's that they don't have the courage yes. or they don't think they can make a difference yes now i want to bring this around to the whole business of voting right and where i'm coming from with this is that Traditionally, in my country, we were always encouraged that when you came of voting age, use your vote, that your vote was a very important right. And there was all this, this idea that it was a, a, a right and a privilege that you had and you should exercise it because if you didn't exercise that right to vote, then you can't complain about who's elected as a political leader. So the reality, though, is that out of every election, there's a huge number of people who don't bother to vote at all. And the reason is because they're disillusioned. They're totally lost interest in the ability of righteousness or the ability of an outstanding, upstanding candidate representing them in government because there is no choice around it. There is no candidate like that. And, you know, you mentioned about the, the long history of uh, fraud and corruption and allegations against Hillary Clinton and all of that. Is there a candidate, aside from the man Gary Johnson that you mentioned, is there a candidate, a presidential nominee, who can be seen to be that kind of upstanding, wonderful, guiding light that people are craving for? With the exception of Gary Johnson? No, I don't see that at all. Yeah, it's, I really don't. The it, problem is, is that in politics, people all play that game. I mean, I've always believed that the problem with politics is politics. People just can't seem to do the right thing. I mean, even when you get the Republicans and Democrats, they still can't agree on the stuff that they agree on. Yes. You know, everybody's <laughs> sure. fighting. Their egos yeah. are running crazy. Sure, sure. But does you that know? say much for the future in general, no matter who's elected, even if your ideal candidate was elected? Look at the opposition 
in all the various layers of government. Look at the mm-hmm. corruption that's in all those different layers. I mean, we often said ourselves that way back when uh, Barack Obama was first elected, there was this wave of hope that, oh God, something might come right of this. You know, this is a wonderful opportunity now for America. But many people mm-hmm. observed that no sooner was he sworn in and somebody approached him and tapped him on the shoulder, metaphorically speaking, and saying, hey, let's point out to you who's the boss here. Well, I, I definitely do agree that there's an awful lot of behind-the-scenes maneuvering, and what we see publicly yeah. is just a small trickle-down effect from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's really going on on the planet on a very large scale is humanity is fighting for its soul, is what I feel. And we're coming to that, that age in our development where, I mean, you can pick up the phone and reach out and, and touch anybody anywhere in the world, and you can do it instantly. You can do the same thing with garnering your information. I mean, years ago, you it wasn't like that. You didn't walk around staring down at your cell phone. And the problem with that we're having right now is people feel it on the inside. People wake up and they're anxious every day, and they can't put their finger on why they're anxious every day. It's because whether we want it or not, there is change coming, and I think it's up to us to really grab the reins of that horse and steer it in a, an appropriate direction, one that represents freedom and the lack of slavery. I mean, I think people are enslaved globally. I mean, I do see little glimmers of hope. You know, I mean, I haven't studied it a lot, but uh, personally, I feel that the United Kingdom voting to leave the European Union was actually a good thing. I know a lot of people will really disagree with me on that, but what it showed me was that there were people who would prefer to make their own laws and safeguard their own culture. I think the problem in the world now is that all these different cultures of people exist and everybody's trying to make everybody the same type of culture and that doesn't that doesn't work. People need their individuality, they need their freedom, they need to feel that whatever they're doing in their own space is appropriate and unjudged and and currently big governments all over the world have been consistently failing their people, so it's not a surprise to me at all that people are starting to rebel. What I hope is that Palmer heads prevail and we can stop extreme levels of violence where I think we could be headed very shortly in this country and abroad. It's already going on. I mean, um, you know, the terror attack that just happened over in Nice in France were devastating. And this gentleman killed, what, over 80 people and he didn't even use a gun. He used a truck. How readily available are those? We've seen people use airplanes to do that too, you know. You don't need guns. This this, this is... This is all part of the, the facade for control of people's minds. You know? That's right. If you keep them afraid, they'll listen, just do what you say. Let us, we, we do need to take a quick studio break here and remind our listeners, we are speaking with Clayton Tanner. We're focusing on a political subject today, which is very unlike us, but we do want to come back after the break and speak about those three words that you've used just in the last little paragraph that you mentioned about change, freedom and hope. So we'll be right back after this and we'll cover this from a whole different angle altogether. Stay with us. Years of research, thousands of profound statements, hundreds of sessions, miles of transcripts, months of listening, a vast archive of personal power and spiritual awareness awaits you. Join worldofempowerment.com today, a website of practical spirituality for your fast-changing world. worldofempowerment.com
welcome back to our show today with Clayton Tanner, who is talking to us about our political choices that are coming around this November and the implications of our choices and our future, really, as, as a species, Ahano. This isn't, and he mentioned in the last segment that humanity is fighting for its soul. Mm-hmm. And I know when he said that, I, I just got hit strongly emotionally by that phrase. So I'd like to explore that also a little bit more with Clayton in terms of humanity and its soul. So maybe we could start there and then go into these other aspects that you want to touch on. Sure. So Clayton, tell us what you mean when you say humanity is fighting for its soul. Well, they're fighting for their creative spark and their right to make decisions and choose things. And currently there's a bunch of people who are just making decisions for the masses and the truth is that the masses are very unhappy with that right now. Do we even feel what's going on inside of us anymore? I mean, um, people spend their day trying to anesthetize themselves from anything they feel. They're embellishing in drugs and alcohol. We have a pill that can make you feel any way you want, whenever you want, and it's being consistently rammed down our throats. And I think people are sick of it. They're sick of their genetically modified food garbage. They're sick of being kept in the dark. They're sick of feeling that they don't have their choice anymore, that they don't have their liberty anymore, that for some reason our evolution currently is de-evolving. And I think it's a big problem. But are people really willing to do anything about it? And why I'm suggesting that is because we've seen people move out of California, for example, because of a vaccine law that they didn't want to to there was compulsory vaccination of children and this family didn't want to have their child vaccinated now the only choice open to them was to move out but at least they did they moved out they made a decision but most people would actually row in with it and say well that's the law i have to obey with and that's the way it is now there's been also some other crazy crazy laws passed and one for example is that you can't collect rainwater you know, it's against the law to collect rainwater. It's against the law to be off the grid. It's against the law to generate your own electricity. It's against the law to, to piss, excuse me for being so frank about it. But and what I'm finding is that people are simply accepting this. They're saying, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You want me to jump? How high, sir? And that's all. It's like the whole well, education. Well, I think that's a yes and no answer. Well, you know, I, I, do, I do see people falling in line, but I also see people falling out of line. We've been seeing that more and more and more. Like when Bernie Sanders came out, people liked him. They felt he was honest. He was very anti-establishment, and he got millions and millions of people to turn out for that. Yes. You know, it's the same thing that was just happened in Istanbul. The military tried to show, tried to have a coup and oust their president, and people, unarmed people, took to the streets after military curfew was imposed and said no. Bring our guy back. And they did that. This yeah, just think... happened recently. So, I mean, I think there are glimmers of hope there, but you're right. They fall into line. And the problem is, is we have lost control of our elected officials. You know, I think the biggest problem when we get down into government and why the slavery is that the way it is, is people, people don't hold their government more accountable than we do our basic utility companies. Yes. We're going to hold our water, gas, our electric phone, our internet providers way more accountable to give us what we want than we do yes. our elected officials. We're not holding them accountable in any way, shape, or form. That's sure. why they're running amok. And those little laws you're talking about, that's what slowly erodes people's will and yes. their rights. Yes, It is true, too, though, Ahana, with a lot of the 
quote-unquote terrorist activity going on today and the division, you know, it's getting divided up into religions and races. And it's that whole divide-and-conquer thing, in our opinion. You know, if you can get people pitted against each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yet, you know, especially with the Muslims, because, I, you know, you do see the other thing when a Muslim is blamed for a terrorist attack. You have other Muslims on other groups around the country and around the world praying, praying mm-hmm. for the yes. victims, praying for the people. And I think there was a Muslim that just came out yesterday and said, you know, our religion does not endorse killing, mm-hmm. which was would be a shock to most people hearing that because they would think that... It's not what they were told. That's right. It's not what they were told. So, mm-hmm. But I think the point is, is we're now lumping all Muslims in the same pool, yeah. Yeah. just like we, we have done with different races in the past. Mm-hmm. And this whole, this whole bigotry stuff coming up again, when... Clayton mentions the rage that people have. I, I think it's, again, even that, though, even the, the fact that you really don't know, in terms of safety, if you can go anywhere around this country, around the world, or anywhere safely without some sort of crazy person, or whether it's staged attack or not, but our whole feeling of safety is, I think, what's really underneath the surface that people are afraid afraid for their lives and their survival and i think the whole thing's been orchestrated okay to bring people down to survival level so that all they're thinking about is how am i going to feed my family okay and on the other hand when we really look at that they will spend their money on the latest cell phone they will spend the money on the latest tv okay the newest computer the newest form of entertainment so how do you take a civilization that has become so dependent on being entertained and anesthetized, like Clayton said, mm-hmm. and make them suddenly care, okay? I mean, is it going to take to the point where we really have no freedoms left at all before people will actually do something? How would you answer that, Clayton? Well, I mean, if you want to look back to how America was founded, uh, the truth is is only about 10% of colonials had a problem with the crowd. And usually what gets people motivated is when it affects them directly. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not really worried about other people's rights getting treaded on until your rights become treaded on. And then it's all, then it's a different ball of wax. So yes. it's kind of like this pleasure and pain thing, which is a, a motivating factor. I mean, yes, people do buy the brand new stuff. They want to be distracted. Okay, most people hate to watch the news because it's bad stuff all day long. We're getting continuously assaulted with that. But when it shows up in your own neighborhood, then all of a sudden, those things become way more important. Like, it'll be the day that somebody knocks on your door with a badge and a gun and just demands to search your house for no apparent reason. Then it'll hit home, and then you'll be like, well, wait a minute. And then all of a sudden, people start to wake up. I think it's I think the wake-up is happening. I'm just concerned about how fast that wake-up is happening. Yeah, it does you know, seem to have accelerated lately, doesn't it, Hannah? Yeah. And that is true, because when you hear about things that are going on somewhere else, whether it's another state or another country, you do feel a bit, you go, oh, dear, that's, that's too bad. But you're removed from it because it isn't in your face. It's not in your neighborhood. It didn't happen to somebody in your family. So there is this right. detachment that we do because it isn't real to us unless it is in our face. But I you know, do... and it's funny because this is how catalysts work. 
we might not even be in the country known as the United States of America if a bunch of British soldiers soldiers didn't open up and shoot a bunch of colonials in Boston. Yeah, you know what see, I mean? That's little catalysts like that. That that's, things like that are what galvanize people. Now, what I'm really hoping is that we can find a way that doesn't have to include violence. On the flip side of that, until we get our freedoms back, I wouldn't say that any option is off our table. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, in the Middle East, they've been fighting for thousands of years over God, which is sad. Yes. But they're still doing it. Now. Here's a point, and uh, I don't want to go into a, a history lesson here, but it has been my experience, coming from Ireland, that there was a big exercise done by various interested parties, let's say, to label the other side as wrong. In other words, it was this divide and conquer thing that Angel Rose mentioned, especially between Protestants and Catholics. Now. When, when you live on the street and understand what's really going on, you realize that it was nothing to do with Protestants and Catholics at all. That was just, it just so happened that somebody who was murdered or who did the murdering was either a Catholic or a Protestant. And therefore, the entire religion got this label. And it was so untrue. The truth was, the reality was, this was all about money. It was who wanted to belong to a wealthier nation that was going to give them pensions and, and provide hospitals and health care in their old age and all that kind of thing, and protection and rule of law and all of that. So we realized a long time ago that all these labels ultimately come down to money at the end of the day. So when Angel Rose talks about divide and conquer, especially when it comes to the issues in the United States these days, where do you think the issue of money? In other words, follow the money. So where is the where is it leading to? Where is it pointing to? Who, who who is the perpetrator when you follow the money? Well, I think the perpetrators are actually much smaller. You know what it really is? Is it's about certain regulations. Like if you want to cut hair, you have to go to school. If you want to do massage, you have to go to school, and that protects people who got their degrees from people who didn't. So I mean, when you when you take those things into account, currency has been with us since we've been civilized. Back in the day, people traded in salt, then they traded in gold, and now we have paper currency and coins. And I mean, money is very important. I mean, it's what feeds people. It's what pays your bills. It takes you on a nice vacation. It's what allows you to buy an engagement ring and propose to somebody. I know a lot of people say money is evil, but it's really not. It's just with how many people around the world, you need some sort of system where we can barter. If you're a farmer, not everybody wants your turnips. Mm -hmm. But you can sell your turnips on the free market and get currency for that, and then you can use that to go buy your bread, let's say. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's a lot of big money that does buy a lot of things. All these news stations are owned by people with big money, so they're going to tell you pretty much what they want you to know, and that's pretty much it. Money is a big deal, but I think that's a... A smaller problem. I mean, in this country, everybody is worried about the economy. I think I read a statistic that 66% of Americans don't even have a thousand dollars saved for an emergency. And I think this gets back into the whole government and slave, uh, slavery. I mean, if you're keeping them financially broken, they're too busy worrying about how they're going to feed themselves today. They, they, it takes away less attention from people on their elected officials making sure that they're doing the right thing. 
You know, people don't have time for politics, and sadly, it's what it's what currently runs everything. And because they don't have time for that, or make time for that, or whatever their excuse is, we keep going further down this ugly little rabbit hole. Right, that's part of the reason why we wanted to have you on today, because it is a topic that we don't normally talk about, but needs to be talked about. But going back to the money thing, one Mm -hmm. of the positive things I do see is that people are becoming more self-sustaining. And I do think that that is something that has to happen, really, is people are creating more community gardens, for example. They are taking care of their own little villages and communities amongst themselves because they have come to a place where they realize that they can't rely on goods being shipped in anymore. They can't rely on governments or really dollars as a mode of exchange. That there has to be, I mean, as to down to the basic survival level, there has to be other ways of doing things. And I think even that is a consciousness issue. Because if you're so used to being told that it's all about earning money, and it's all about, I mean, really the whole school systems are geared to programming children to believe that they have to grow up, get a college education, and get a job, a good job, otherwise they won't survive in this world. I mean, not only will they not survive, they won't be considered a successful human being. Okay, so there is yep. a, there's a huge, huge mass programming there that if you start to say to someone, well, could we really think of other ways to do exactly the same things without money? There are many people who are actually taking up that cause and doing just that. And this whole business about rainwater, storing rainwater, because I remember my great-grandparents used to store, they'd have their rain barrels outside. But, you know, I had this thought yesterday, Hanu, about that, like, is the reason they don't want you collecting rainwater because they don't want anybody analyzing the water and finding out all the <laughs> chemicals that they've been spraying on us all this time, you know, and then suing suing them for that. I mean, that was just a thought that occurred to me is maybe it's not so much about the fact that they don't want you to have water because anybody can still dig a well, for example, or get water from the local river. And people are developing more sophisticated water purification devices all the time. So there are people that are doing something about it, but I do think that's a big shift in consciousness because even on our program, whenever we've done the Akashic Records and Source always encourages people to look after themselves, to store some food, to have a generator, to take care of those basic survival things in case the the things that you rely on, your power company, your water company, those two things in particular, if something happened to them or your computer or your cell phone, how would you live? Okay, and I think Mm -hmm. it's a wonderful question for humanity to be presented with because we have lost our, number one, our connection with nature in that way. And number, I mean, you know, they say there's nothing more healing than getting your hands in the soil. Okay, but, but is there any politician that's addressing those kinds of issues? Tell us about your your favorite candidate, Clayton. Does he does he propose the kinds of things that Angel Rose has just mentioned there? Well, he definitely wants to do GMO labeling, so you know what you're eating. The yeah. thing is, though, is that when you look at presidential candidates, how much can you really get done in four or eight years? So, not to say that all these issues aren't important, but they're not at the forefront of what's occurring with people on a daily basis and until more awareness comes to those issues or topics they're not going to be talked about nearly as much i mean currently in this country number one thing is the economy and our debt number one 
You know, after that, it's probably our healthcare system. After that, it's our it's our security. I mean, these are the three issues that keep people up at night. They're not concerned about whether or not they can collect rainwater. Most of them don't even care. Okay, thinking yeah, because about they your still have turned off is just crazy. Because they still you know, have city I mean, water. That's how people are thinking. Yeah. They do have. They still have city water. You're right, and they could all be turned off tomorrow, and we could be living in the dark ages going forward, and that would be a real issue. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So, but until those things become more prevalent, presidential candidates aren't going to focus on that. They're going to go to issues that people are already heated about that they want immediate change on, and that's how they win votes. Right. So, in the final few minutes that we have with you, Clayton Tanner, can you can you mention? Uh, something about the those key words that came in before the break about change, freedom, and hope, and what you foresee then for the future. Well, I think to change anything, you first got to start with exactly where you're standing. Okay, like if you want to see something pretty or something nice in the world, I think it's your job to create it immediately where you stand. I think that's number one. People look at this right away, you know, like with changing stuff and they feel completely overwhelmed, like they have to affect the whole world right now. And because of that, it makes them kind of short circuit and touch off. And in terms of freedom, you have to really, you have to really be proactive on it. I think the time to keep your mouth shut is over. I think the time to just roll over and turn the other cheek is really over. I mean, currently things are getting worse and worse here, and if people don't start to take their stand, they're not going to have anything. We're going to be a bunch of little lemmings all going off the cliff together. Mm-hmm. You know, and where hope comes in, of course you can do it. I mean, when people lose hope, that's it, it's over. But there are, there are plenty of choices out there. I mean, I'm talking at the local level. You can right. elect different people to represent you in Congress. You can elect different council members. You can elect a different mayor. I think people need to get very grassroots again. I think it's time for them to know their neighbors and to talk, and to talk freely. I mean, the problem, I think, in this country is we have this whole politically correct thing going on, yes. which to me is an, an, an affront on our liberty. You should be able to say what you want. Now, I don't agree that you should be using your words to necessarily go out and be the hornet's nest or start a whole bunch of problems, but you should be allowed to think freely. And if you want your change and your freedom and your hope, it's time to get busy. You have a good idea or you find a candidate that you really like who supports your values, tell 10 people. Tell those 10 people to tell 10 people more. I mean, this is where we can get like our social media and, and the fact that we are so quickly connected working for us. Because the mainstream media is not going to tell you, so it's up to us to talk to each other all the time. And it's time to stand up. Right. You know, the time for being quiet is over. Yeah, that's, you know? that's very true, and it is a good... Good way to end the show today, Ahano, and perhaps we can follow up with the show and actually just have a show on all of the positive things that are going on in the world today that people are doing that we never hear about, because yes. I, I do know there's a lot of them, and there is more and more people waking up, more and more people taking the bull by the horns in their own lives, in their own cities, yes. and not relying on big government, and I think that that's been something we've done also we've relied on big government to give us money to take care of us to create all these programs to make our lives easier when we have forgotten how to live ourselves yes, yes correct yes. they only have money because we give it to them That's i don't understand why we need to cut in the middleman anymore i really don't 
Okay. We do have to leave it there. It's been an absolute pleasure well, speaking with you, Clayton Tanner from New Mexico. Thank you so Mexico. much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It's been great, and you've certainly opened our eyes and hopefully the eyes of our listeners with, with those uh, ideas that you've presented, and certainly the ones of sovereignty and freedom and hope. All right, so until next time. I'll Thank you on. so much. Yes, we'll speak soon. Thank Bye. you Bye-bye. as well. Have a great day. Bye. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on World of Empowerment Radio, your station for practical spirituality in a changing world.